0: Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New England Patriots. This is the Patriots Wire Podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now your host, Ryan O'Leary,
1: and Patriots Wire editor, Henry McKenna. I'm Steve Bordstein, and we are chatting with Henry McKenna, the managing editor for the Patriots Wire. Thanks so much time. Uh, thanks for taking so much time with us today. Yeah, of course. Appreciate it very here. much. Uh, Glad let's that talk- you're
2: here, Steve. We're, yes. Uh, we're without Ryan, who's on paternity leave and all of our listeners, I'm sure, are super stoked for him. So and, and maybe he's even going to listen to this podcast. I bet he will. So.
1: Well, I hope uh, so, because he can give me pointers. And I'm I'm very thankful to you guys over at uh, USNNA Sports Media Group for allowing me the opportunity to fill in on his behalf and uh, certainly wish him and his wife the best and uh, hope for a successful everything that goes along with, you know, delivering of a child. Because I, I, I thankfully I don't know anything about that.
2: <laughs> well, Ryan's got an adorable little baby son and he's he's on Twitter. People want to follow him and check it out seems like he's he's happy and having a great time so we're 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 all stoked for him
1: Excellent. Let's uh, let's dive into last weekend for the New England Patriots. Uh, New England coming off a tough uh, overtime loss on Sunday to the Cowboys by a final of thirty five to twenty nine, dropping the Patriots two and four this season. Uh, Dak Prescott, big day for him. Mac Jones completing 15 to 21 for 229 yards. Pair of touchdowns and interception that was returned for a score. Uh, let's get some of your thoughts uh, on that game this past Sunday.
2: Yeah, well, the the number that stood out to me that you just read off was the passing yardage total from Prescott. That was actually the most passing yards ever by an opposing quarterback against a Bill Belichick-wide defense. And while passing yards are not necessarily representative of a defense's efficiency or effectiveness, I think that it is emblematic of something this year. Um, that this defense isn't quite right and that it was supposed to be the most uh, right part of the of the entire team it was supposed to be you know know, elite and we saw in the kind of fourth quarter and overtime a similar problem which is that they have trouble closing out a really good performance and that's kind of selling them short I recognize that because the the person who I think is Honestly, largely to blame is Mac Jones. And he threw that pick six in the closing minutes of the game. The Patriots really just needed a first down with a few minutes left to go. And, you know, there, there was a penalty that put them into a second and fifteen. So Josh McDaniels dials up a quick slant play. Mac Jones overthrows Kendrick Bourne. Trayvon Diggs, the absolute nightmare for every stinking quarterback this season he's leading the nfl interceptions he obviously gets his interception uh and and brings it to the house puts the patriots in a really bad position because like i said all you need is a first down there and mac jones the rookie you know he's supposed to take care of the football that's why they drafted him at 15 overall in the 2021 draft that's why they picked him because he's a smart decision maker and that mistake was was catastrophic because it, it put the, the defense back on the field. Well, combining that with what happened in the next play, which was a 75-yard touchdown, hero ball by Mac Jones, right? Couldn't have had two more different plays with the pick six followed by a touchdown and then a two-point conversion to follow puts the Patriots ahead by three. But then, again, that defense is back on the field. The defense has the pressure on them to close out the game and Dak Prescott is simply on a whole nother level and, and really puts the defense kind of, I don't want to say out of their misery, but uh, puts them into a really tough position where Prescott gets that field goal. The Patriots offense comes on the field in overtime and they disappoint, you know, they're, they're in and out. My dog just walked in. Everybody's familiar with my dog, but she's freaking out. Um, So, so, You know, the defense had two opportunities, really, to put the game away, and they couldn't. So, uh, um, you know, I, I think we expect rookie mistakes out of Mac Jones. We expect the offense to have its difficulties, but we expect higher of the Patriots defense.
1: And is that fair? Uh, And I I think it brings up, you know, there's still that little bit of separation anxiety maybe that still exists with the Patriots faithful and certainly people who have followed the Patriots and certainly the last 20 – better part of the last 20 years. Is that expectation still fair at this point? ushering in a new era with Mac Jones. And clearly, you know, he's the rookie quarterback and you're coming off the, the weird season last year with Cam Newton and his on and off shenanigans, what have you. Is it still fair for the Patriots to have the expectations of the past? No, no, I don't think it's ever really
2: fair to, to rely on the expectations of the past. I think Bill Belichick will be the first one to tell you that. And and Devin McCourty was was immediately uh, talking about exactly that concept heading into or or yeah during his press conference after the game where you know someone asked him the patriots are winless at home this year and after just this storied two decades of not losing at home can he sort of believe this situation that he's in and he's like well yeah i mean it, this year is different and obviously the biggest difference is well tom brady is playing for the tampa bay buccaneers but I think you would have expected more from Bill Belichick over the last two seasons, where he really is one of the greatest coaches of all time, and I still believe that he is, even after this troubling—what has it been? I don't know. Eighteen? Yeah. Eight? No, I'm bad at math. Twenty-four game stretch, <laughs> um, where he's really not been very good without Tom Brady. So, um. The expectations, I think, are built from the past because of past successes. That's why we expect this defense to be good, because not only are they talented on paper with the addition of Matthew Judon and Devon Godshow and a number of uh, other free agency signings, Jalen Mills, to build out the depth and help fix some of the weaknesses that we saw last year. Combine that with a unit that's been good in the past. And deep and, and, and talented and versatile, you know, it really made sense that this this defense would actually be quite good and right away. So I think that's probably why the expectations for this year have been high for that defense, whereas the offense, I think people expected, especially myself, expected them to take a little more time to get things together just because the offense, especially under, you know, Josh McDaniels, where he makes things, frankly, quite complicated, which is which is why they're successful. But it's why receivers, tight ends, even offensive linemen have issues making an impact right away because it takes so much time for them to really understand the offense. So it figured if there's a new quarterback, if there's two new tight ends, two new receivers and a little bit of shuffling along the offensive line, then maybe we we do have to be patient. And and that's kind of where I am. It's like, okay patience patience is there for the offense a little bit right i mean they need to step up but to the defense i'm i'm i have found myself quite impatient with them
1: talking to Henry McKenna, he's the managing editor of patriots wire and we appreciate him taking time out this afternoon to uh look back at last week take a look at this coming weekend's matchup against the jets before we do that you you talked about it earlier and you you talked about mac jones and some of the the efforts he put forth last weekend, talk about him and what your impressions have been so far this season. And as you rate him among the other rookie quarterbacks that we've seen this season, how do you evaluate Mac Jones? I think he's given them exactly what they hoped
2: he would give them. You know, I I was critical of the pick six second ago, but with that put aside, I think you see a quarterback whose completion percentage is Wildly high. I mean, I think he's on pace to set a new record. He's currently at 71.1%. I got to look up Ben Roethlisberger's uh, record, but I think Mac Jones is up there and, and competitive with it. So that's, that's what they wanted, was to see that completion percentage high. His yards per attempt average is at 7, which is moving upwards, uh, particularly after this game we saw him targeting that deep part of the field for the first time really i mean first time since the saints game and the saints game was a disaster i've referenced that a million times on this podcast where it was like you know everybody thought that mac jones would be that quick short to intermediate passer, and that the deep game would kind of be beyond him for this first season and so we saw him really own the short game. That's kind of what's actually worked for him. And the intermediate has been spotty, and the deep game has been non-existent. And they even tried the deep game against the Saints in week three, and it was a flop. He was one of 12 on passes that traveled 12 yards or more from line of scrimmage. It just didn't work. And then we see all of a sudden in this game, you know, he's scoring touchdowns on the in the deep game. He's finding... Uh, hunter henry for a touchdown he's finding kendra born for a touchdown he's finding um these pass catchers that should have been there in weeks prior but but haven't quite been there so they're taking step forward te- steps forward i just you know it's two and it's a two and four season that's that's just what it comes back to is and it's like so now what like are they really just thinking okay we need to get this offense ready for 2022 because that it, it's like i don't know they have a 21% chance of making the playoffs with according to the analytics website 538 so you know i think i think obviously they want to win as many games as they can and and they should try to do that the, the afc east is somewhat open especially with uh, buffalo losing to the titans on monday night but they've got a, a big big hole the, to dig themselves out of. And and I think it sort of starts with this progression that we're seeing from Mac Jones, where he's a bigger part of the offense, and he needs to be an even bigger part of the offense. And it's not Jones who's holding himself back. It's actually his coaches. They're not throwing the ball very much with him. They're not trusting him on fourth down, like we saw in overtime when Belichick punted the ball to Dak Prescott, who then won the game. They're not going for it. I mean, they, they've I think they've had 41 fourth downs and gone for it on just three or four that's that's just not enough they need to be more aggressive when they're at a losing point in their season so what i what i've seen from Mac jones has been impressive and what i would like to see is the patriots give him more opportunities to shine especially at a point in the season where it's starting to feel like they have really lost the they're losing momentum uh for making the playoffs
1: Henry McKenna, Patriots Wire, joining us here on the Patriots Wire podcast. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to look at the free agency market uh, and how the Patriots can play a role in that market. Plus, we'll also look around the AFC East. And finally, we'll take a look at this weekend's upcoming matchup against the Jets. You're listening to the Patriots Wire podcast.
0: This is the Typico Sportsbook Fantasy Minute. Let's make this interesting. Interesting.
3: Welcome to week number seven. I'm Corey Benini of the Huddle.com, here to bring you strong plays as we navigate six teams on by. Quarterback Matt Ryan and Falcons at Miami Dolphins. Coming off of a bye week of his own, Ryan gets wide receiver Calvin Ridley back in the lineup, and it looks like wideout Russell Gage has a chance to return as well. The entire offense seems to be coming around to Arthur Smith's system, and the last time we saw Ryan, he was dropping dimes to rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Miami has allowed 12 passing touchdowns, picking off only two passes since week one, and three teams have given up more fantasy points to the position in this time. Each one of those teams has allowed at least two rushing scores to inflate the matchup data. With injury concerns at both of the starting cornerback positions, Miami may have a hard time keeping Ryan under wraps. Running back J.D. McKissick, Washington football team at Green Bay Packers. McKissick's three strong games this year have come against the Giants, the Falcons, and the Chiefs, all terrible defenses. The Chargers, Bills, and Saints shut him down. Green Bay is somewhere in the middle right now, largely due to injuries. Green Bay's offense can hang points with the best of them and Washington hasn't been able to stop a receiver for anything this season. Furthermore, it's unclear if running back Antonio Gibson will be able to play through his continued shin injury after exiting the lineup multiple times last week. His absence would mean more work for McKissick. Detroit Lions wide receiver Amon Ross St. Brown at Los Angeles Rams. LA's defense of wide receivers isn't nearly as strong as it may seem, at least from a fantasy perspective in PPR. Some of that's by design. In the last five weeks, only Tennessee has given up more catches to the position. Washington has allowed one fewer reception but seven more touchdowns in that time. The Rams are playing extremely well with a version of bend but don't break defense. They'll happily give up a lot of short area passing volume to prevent the long ball as evidenced by a dozen players over six games having five or more receptions against this unit in 2021. In a revenge game for Matthew Stafford, Detroit will be forced to throw like crazy to have a chance. Not that the Lions actually have a chance. St. Brown should be heavily targeted. Get him in all PPR lineups, especially with so many teams on a bye. Arizona Cardinals tight end, Zach Ertz versus the Houston Texans. Still feels weird to say, doesn't it? He posted four catches, 29 yards, and a touchdown in week six Thursday night game before being traded the next day. This week, Houston comes to visit and brings its feeble defensive tight ends. The position has averaged 5.6 receptions, 67 yards, and a touchdown every 7.3 catches. All of these are top nine figures working in Ertz's favor. Additionally, Houston has been and surprisingly good against wide receivers, which would mean Kyler Murray is frequently looking toward his new tight end. For more fantasy football tips and advice, please check out our award-winning content at thehuddle.com.
0: 4700 in Colorado. This is the Typical Sportsbook Minute. Let's make this interesting.
1: What's up? This is Jeff Clark from the Bet Slippin' Podcast, presented by SportsbookWire.com. I'm here with my homie, Nathan Beagle, to help break down this week's Sunday night football game with the Indianapolis Colts visiting the San Francisco 49ers. Our friends at Typical Sportsbook have the 49ers favored four and a half with the total sitting at 43 and a half. I like the Indianapolis Colts to cover this number because they're four and two against the spread so far this year. Their offense is trending up with T Y Hilton coming back and Wentz getting settled into his new scheme. Also the 49ers are five 13 and one against the spread at home. Since Kyle Shanahan became head coach in 2017 Nate, how are you betting your money in this game?
0: I like San Francisco in this game, especially with them having the seventh best pass defense in the NFL and Jimmy G returning. Jimmy G has only lost two games this season, and they were to Green Bay and Seattle, having beaten Philadelphia and Detroit, both by more than four points. I'm rolling with the home dog coming off a bye week. That was your typical Sportsbook Minute. For a limited time, new users in Colorado and New Jersey from this podcast will enjoy a special welcome bonus. Get your bonus today at slash podcast. That's slash podcast. See typico.com for terms and conditions. 21 plus only gambling problem. Call 1 800 Gambler in New Jersey. 1 800 4700
1: in Colorado. And we're back. Welcome back to the Patriots Wire podcast. I'm Steve Bortstein, joined once again by Henry McKenna of PatriotsWire.com. I know before we get into a look at the the home field advantage or lack thereof, and of course, look at the AFC East and then a a look at this weekend's matchups with the Patriots and the Jets. I want to talk a little bit about free agency and last year's free agent class and how the Patriots in your mind fared uh, wins and losses on last year's free agent class. Yeah, let's
2: let's talk one big winner and one big loser in terms of how how Belichick fared in picking his guys. And we'll we'll go right to the top of the class with Matthew Judon, who is the guy I think that's the obvious win for Bill Belichick. He he I mean, it starts with the sacks, right? It has to for an edge guy like Judon. You've got six point five sacks and that's that's awesome. That's a that's a hugely impactful number. It's not like they're coming in garbage time. He's making big high energy plays that swing the course of the game. That that includes eight tackles for loss, 26 tackles, fourth fourth most among Patriots defenders. So overall, that to me is like cut and dried huge success. He's been a cultural fit where he's a leader off the field, he's bringing energy into the locker room. That's what everyone says. Just a highly positive Presence both on and off the field, and I think in Boston sports radio, especially, there's some negativity. I mean, like everybody who listens to this podcast surely listens to some of the shows where they just they talk about how everybody stinks. But and and some of these signings do stink. Like there's no doubt. um Guys like Nelson Aguilar have not made the impact. But but if you're looking at guys. That where Belichick really got it right, and Matthew Judon is is that obvious pick, and it was a big bet. Like four years, fifty four point five million dollars. That's the average salary of thirteen point six million. Belichick has never given that much money to a player before, in his in his career. That's that's that average salary is is unprecedented for Belichick. So, hey, that's a huge risk and a worthwhile one so far. But similarly, you know, we go to the, the biggest loser um, as far as this contract goes, and this guy he's been pretty good for the team. But when you look at the average salary, twelve point five million, that is third most at his position. It's Johnny Smith at the tight end. It's just like he just hasn't given them enough. I mean, a four year, dear deal, and it's fifty million dollars. His his interception total is is sitting at. 16, and, and that's 124 yards. So even though that's like you know, it, it's a relatively solid. It's not it's not awful reception total. But but for him to be averaging 7.8 yards per reception, that's that's probably where the biggest problem lies in, in his production is the fact that he's he's fourth worst in in yards per reception, tied with running back James White and only players that Smith is better than in yards per reception on the Patriots are three running backs. A tight end should not be in that range. He, He should be pushing. I mean, Hunter Henry, for example, the other free agency signing, he's at 11 yards per reception. So that gives you a sense of like maybe where Smith should be. And Smith, you know, we talked earlier about how Mac Jones needs he likes that short to intermediate passing game. That's, that's where he's really successful. Well, that that's what John Smith's bread and butter was supposed to be. He's a freak athlete who in Tennessee, where he was before with the Titans, he was the yards after the catch guy. He could, he could get open, you know, quickly because he's got that twitchy athleticism to beat his matchup. Kind of like a tight end version of Julian Edelman. And, and then he runs with the ball after the catch. So, so that was supposed to work in this offense, and it just hasn't. So I don't think it's hopeless, but, you know, Bill Belichick was all Bill Belichick. He was all bristly and frustrated when he got asked about John U. Smith. And I think that's a bad sign that Belichick doesn't even, it wasn't even really like willing to answer a question about it. That's kind of how bad it's gotten. So that's the clear loser to me.
1: There's winners and losers on the statistical side of things as well. And when you look at the Patriots, one of the things that stands out, uh, I think so far at this point of the season, is their 0-4 mark at home. Losses to the Dolphins, then to the Saints, the Buccaneers, and most recently, of course, to the Dallas Cowboys. Obviously, home field is a place you can't afford to lose too many games. Only Only the Giants, Eagles, and Lions have been as close to being as poor at home this season as the Patriots have been. So when you hear the names, obviously, Obviously, you know, especially most recent games with the Cowboys, the Buccaneers, the Saints, and then, of course, early in the season to the Miami Dolphins. Is their 0-4 home field record more an indication of the opposition, or is it something else?
2: Yeah, I think I think it's a mix of both. It's, it's a them problem in that those first two losses to the Dolphins and the Saints, those were mistake-driven losses. You look at the fumble that really crippled them at the end of that Dolphins game, Damian Harris— loses the ball in the red zone fourth quarter they were in the scoring position to take the lead and they couldn't and then to make things worse the defense actually had enough time to get the dolphins offense off the field and they couldn't you know the dolphins just had to get a few first downs and and they did just that so combination of problems in that week 1 game but all kind of i think in my mind disappointing problems by the patriots they should have done better and they knew it that you know and, and in retrospect it made, it's like even worse cuz the dolphins have the same record as the the new york jets like the the dolphins are just a really bad football team um and then the, and then you look at the the saints game that's that second home loss oh excuse me the jets are actually 1 of 4 the dolphins are 1 of 5 because the jets had a bye but but you know same amount of wins oh as
1: the yeah
2: And uh, so the Saints, yeah, you look at that Saints loss. I think like you can kind of boil it down to a weird pick six where Johnny Smith drops the ball and uh, forget which Saints safety, but a Saints safety returns it for a pick six. That was where the Patriots offense lost all their momentum and they only ended up scoring 13. That Saints defense is freakishly good. They're so good, so fast. And the Patriots offense just didn't have it in that game and and it's i think it's a little disappointing because they're the saints they're kind of they're kind of middle of the road they're kind of like the patriots were last year except a little better where they lost their quarterback and then they had all these cap issues but i think you want to do better in that game than losing 28 13. i mean that's a that's a bad loss even if even if they could have played a little better you know, I don't even know if they can like it. Like that's not just like the rest of the games in this in this slate that I'm going to break down. That that game was like a hard loss as opposed to, you know, these other ones where it was just a few points or or a score. And then the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. I mean, you can kind of understand those losses. Again, the Patriots put up good fights against these two teams and they are two of the best in the NFL. But you need to win one of those games. They, they need to come out with a win in one of those games, especially because they lost against easier opponents earlier in the year. That's supposed to be the time where they're kind of getting their stuff together. You know, this offense, like I was talking about, you bring in a big group of free agents, it's going to take some time for them to click. And the defense was supposed to be kind of firing on all cylinders and neither thing really panned out. You know, the offense didn't click quick enough. So, but it, but in theory, you could be competitive by this stage of the season. And, and they were but they're not getting the results, which is the win. So, you know, it's a mix of, I think, the tough schedule, but also a disappointing Patriots team so far in in a number of levels.
1: Patriots can pick up their first home win this weekend. Uh, against the New York Jets. So let's dive into this matchup a little bit. The Patriots are taking on the Jets at Gillette Stadium. And I again, this is sort of a stat geek question here, but uh, I can't imagine after five games so far that there are still teams out there who haven't scored a point in a single quarter. And here we are, the Jets, who have yet to record a single point in the first quarter after five games this season. And that's not good for any team, especially one with a rookie quarterback in Zach Wilson, who finds himself playing essentially from behind all the time. So give me your thoughts on this matchup with the Jets and Patriots and where the the Jets are coming into this game.
2: Yeah, the Jets are not in a good place. (laughs) I think we can suffice it to say that. Um, The last time the Patriots played the Jets, Zach Wilson threw four interceptions. And I mean, the, the good news is the Jets were competitive against the Falcons, but the Falcons aren't that good of a team. That was last week. Two weeks ago, the Jets actually beat the Titans, who turns out, you know, by transitive property are actually a good team in the AFC because they ju- or in the AFC because they just beat the Bills, who are probably the best team in the AFC. So um, it's not like the Jets aren't competitive; it's just that they're not. Honestly, they're kind of like the Patriots, but less talented. In that, you know, they actually they're they're maybe even the opposite of the Patriots, where they're less talented but like more competitive. I don't know. But um, I think I think, look, if you look back at that game where Zach Wilson threw four interceptions, you can see actually that the Jets were surprisingly uh, in the game. Like they stuck around, even though even after two interceptions, like they were still in the game because the Patriots only turned the two interceptions into 10 points. And then the Jets kind of looked like, hey, maybe we can move the ball. And then again, Zach Wilson interception. So if. Wilson just takes care of the football. They can actually be competitive against the Patriots who, you know, turns out six games later, not that good of a football team. Like, like think back a week ago. I mean, the the Texans almost beat the Patriots. The Patriots play one good half of football and somehow pulled off a win over the Texans who had to punt the ball into the back of their own player's head for the Patriots to really gain any momentum. I mean, that's, that's how dire it was. So, Jets could, I mean, I, I, the, the Patriots should be a little worried about this one. Um, and I, I opened this segment by trashing the Jets because they're not good. But the, that's because <laughs> they aren't. The, the problem here is that the Patriots aren't very good either. And and they are, you know, they play to the level of their opponent. Because, you know, we saw they, they were competitive with the Cowboys, one of the best teams in the league. They were competitive with the Texans, one of the worst teams in the league. So, We saw a pretty lopsided scoreline last time these two teams played, 25-6 Patriots win. And that was representative of what I don't think will happen again, which is Zach Wilson throwing four interceptions. I think it will be a little more competitive in this this go-around.
1: Henry McKenna, PatriotsWire.com. Make sure to check out the website. How else can uh, uh, followers uh, keep in contact with what's going on with the Patriots and how can they follow you on social media?
2: Yeah, hit hit me up on on Twitter if you like anything I had to say or didn't like anything I have to say. always down for a discussion. Um, My uh, handle is McKenna Analysis, uh, but you could just search me as Henry McKenna. I'm verified, and and that makes me easier to find. And uh, check us out on Patriots Wire. We've got lots of good preview content for the Jets game. We've got lots of bigger picture looks at the season, especially now because I don't think – as many fans are interested in this (laughs) Patriots matchup. So we'll do an assessment of some of the more disappointing Patriots. So keep an eye eye out for that one. And I think people will enjoy reading that one.
1: Good stuff, Henry. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for uh, stopping in with us. And uh, again, I want to thank everyone at USA Today Sports Media Group for giving me the opportunity to kind of fill in here for a little bit on the uh, podcast hosts uh, side of things. And uh, looking forward to talking again real soon.
2: Yep. Yep. Everybody enjoy their week.
1: Enjoy their football. All right. Thanks very much. Bye-bye.